gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Take what the enemy's bent. 
You take what the enemy's meant for evil and you turn it to good. Turn it for good. You take what the enemy's meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. So anyway, I want you to go with me to John and chapter 14. And, you know, you can't not today not read from Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2, so we're going to get there, but I want to save that toward the end. 
But we must have a, a solid foundation on who the Holy Spirit is, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know there are counterfeit spirits? Counterfeit. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. It's not the main thing because we want to focus on the real. The way you recognize the counterfeit is to know the real, real well. But we also, the, the Bible speaks a lot about the counterfeit. Now over in John chapter 14 and uh, verse 15, verse 17 through, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another, what? Helper. Helper. How many of you need help at least every day? That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Have you tried to convince anyone you know, that what the truth is regarding things that are happening out there, and they can't hear you. They, they look at you as if you know, they don't know what you're talking about. They can't receive the truth because it's neither, they either neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, or He dwells with you and He will be in you. Then look over in chapter 15 and uh, verse 25, or actually the same chapter, verse 25. These things I've spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Then chapter 15, verse 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me and you will also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning then over in chapter 15 or 16 beginning with verse 5 but now I go away to him who sent me and none of you ask me where you're going but because I've said these things to you sorrows filled your heart nevertheless I tell you the truth it is to your advantage that I go away for if I do not go away the helper will not come but if I depart I will send him to you and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I like to read that with a little emphasis. The ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you things to come, and he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. I think the title would be The Person and Work of the Holy Spirit, but it also could be When the Helper Comes. We need help. And can I declare the Helper has come? And Lord, we just pray this morning, God, we ask for ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Lord, give us understanding and wisdom. And Lord, we, we don't want to be just hearers only. We want to be hearers, but we pray that we will be doers. And we pray that this will activate. Lord, it will stir up faith. It will produce a harvest through us. And in our region, Lord, we, I believe that dream that man from Lexington had. And I thank you, not only has he come, but he's coming. And we trust in you this day, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have seen 
somebody sent it to me recently, and I just glanced, because I'd seen it before, but there were five preachers, and all of them are gone, but they had a dream or a vision where they saw what we would be facing at this time in the latter days. And uh, you remember one was Oral Roberts, and then David Wilkerson. He was one of my favorites. How many of you really like David Wilkerson? I read all of those little pamphlets that he would send out. David was a man, passion, preached repentance like no man that I've ever known. Smith Wigglesworth was one of the five, and then also Kenneth Hagin. And all of them were giving warnings regarding the times in which we're living. The last one, and this is the only one I'm really going to focus on, was Steve Hill. You remember just before he died, he had a dream of a coming avalanche that would, it would just sweep over, fall upon the church. And it was an avalanche of false doctrine, doctrines of demons, you know, false teachings, and all these things. And he defined some of them, and I remember he spoke a lot about universalism. And that's where you know they believe eventually everybody is going to be saved. You just go back to your original design, and if you can get back there, then you're going to be okay. It leaves out the cross, and, but there are many other things. They really went into the hyper-grace, you know, thing, and we've seen all of that. And we want grace, and we want truth. Grace and truth. Thank God for grace. How many of you are thankful for grace? Where sin abounds, thank God for grace. But there's more. There's truth and there's repentance. And anyway, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. If you want what the Holy Spirit is saying to you today, I could tell you it's out of 1 Timothy. The Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of what? demons. You think any demons are doing any teaching out there in the world? You turn on the news, to me it's doctrines of demons. I'm not even watching. I don't want anything to do. You got to be careful with even the sites you go to today. It's a strange time in which we live, but it's the time we've been chosen. Now I've been, I told you about this book that somebody sent me called Live Not By Lies. Remember that? You may want to read that book. It's a manual for Christian dissidents. A dissident is those who refuse to conform to the prevailing political, social standards of the day. They're conforming to the standards raised already by the Lord Jesus Christ. Their motto is to follow Him, to believe Him. They're going to be numbered among Him. They're not going to bow to the bales of this hour. They're going to go to the streets of New York and begin to do things to begin to cast him down and take authority and, and walk in that grace and authority that he's given us. But these are things we're going to be facing in this hour. And, you know, there are those that are going to, they have a worldview and they're going to, they will kill for their worldview. And uh, so we're going to live in this time, not with a worldview, but with a heaven. We're in the world, but we're not of it. And as long as we're in it, we might as well go for it. You know what I'm talking about. Go all out, because in this hour, it's going to count. Now, there, there's a quote from that book, and I think he's going to put it up there. But, and I haven't finished the book. I've read most of it. 
But it's a heavy book. It really is. It's a heavy. You don't want to read that in one setting. And you definitely don't want to read it before you go to sleep at night. Although that's most of the time when I pick it back up. It could be why I wake up in the mornings. But anyway, one of the quotes from the book, it says this. A time of painful testing, even persecution is coming. Lukewarm or shallow Christians will not come through with their faith intact. Christians today must dig deep into the Bible and church tradition and teach themselves how and why today's post-Christian world with its self-centeredness, its quest for happiness and rejection of sacred order and transcendent values is a rival religion to authentic Christianity. We should also see how many of the world's values have been absorbed into Christian life and practice. Then we must judge how the ways of the world and its demands conflict with what Christ requires of his disciples And then he asks a question, are we admirers or are we followers? How will we know? We will know when we act or fail to act as Christians when to be faithful cost us something. And that's what that whole book is about. Because it's going to cost you something. Now I know that this is in regards to this world system This beast system, Jerry and I were speaking this morning. I know a lot of people say, well, it's it's not the actual mark. We're just being prepared for the mark. Well, all I can say is, if this is not leading up to the mark, then beam me up. I don't want anything to do when, when the real mark shows up. You know, that's what a lot of believers hoped would happen. They would be beamed up. But we're still here. And these things are happening. And so we better be ready, prepared, running the race with endurance. How many of you know you're not to quit? You're not quitters. We will not quit. We're not going to drop out. We're going to endure all things for the sake of the elect. But there's another way to be a dissident, not only in regards to the mandates that are ungodly, and we'll have to make those choices, but biblically. Standing on the truth. You know, somebody has to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. How many of you remember? That's what Jude says. Contend for the faith. It was already delivered to you. So stand on the truth. Don't back down. And in that text of Jude, it doesn't take you. Now, you can read Jude before you go to bed really fast. It doesn't take long at all, but around verse 16, it talks about what you don't want to be in this hour, and that is grumblers, complainers, fault finders, those who cause division. But we want to be those who contend for the truth because the winds, that not only are we waiting, and I'm believing for another mighty rushing wind, but there are many contrary winds, winds of doctrine. Isn't that what Ephesians talks about? He gives us the fivefold ministry. And uh, so that you'll grow up in the faith and not be tossed about by all the winds. And so there will be mature believers. Well, there's another book. I hadn't read it. I just saw the authors being interviewed online. The name of the book, though, caught my attention. So I listened to their interview. 
Because I felt like it was specifically important. The name of the book is called The Second Coming of the New Age. It's the name of the book, The Second Coming of the New Age. My thought was, now we know the second coming of Jesus. These are probably the false second comings that are coming to grab. There's going to be a great falling away, deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. That's probably one way. And they made a statement. They said, now I don't know how they found this out. I guess they interviewed us. They didn't call me. Maybe they called you, but they said 61% of professing believers in America today have some form of New Age teaching in their understanding or their walk. I thought, 61%? That means only, what is it, 39? Don't. In other words, not only with holy fire, there's a lot of strange fire. And God wants to put out the strange fire. The devil wants to put out the holy fire. That's his job. He's a, he's a fireman. He comes to put out the holy fire. But he's not going to put this one out. But God wants to put out the strange fire. Now, so do I have your attention, you guys? We're going to look over in Acts chapter 20. Acts 20. And then we're going to get to the, the main thing. It's the Holy Spirit. But you, I want to lay some foundation. Because I'm not going to back off. How many of you are not going to back off? You're going to get hit in two directions. You get hit from the world. You get hit from what's called the church. And you're going to have to stand. You be a dissident. Be a resistor. I'm not going to bow to the bales out there. Then don't bow to the bales that are trying to come in here. Does that make sense? All right, hey, look at this. Acts 20, Lord, help. Please help me. I don't want... I don't want, no, I do, I do want to, I was going to say I don't want to get in trouble. No, Lord, we want to stir up some trouble. We don't need to be, none of us want to be comfortable and we're not going to be comfortable. You ain't going to be comfortable anyway. This is not a day to be comfortable. Verse 22, and see now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulation await me. That's probably one word that many would not want to hear from the Holy Spirit. Chains and tribulations are waiting for you when you get to that city. How many of you would go to that city if that's what you heard? Many would probably avoid. No, he was to go. But none of these things moved him. Nor did he count his life dear, and you know, that he might finish his race with joy. And anyway, in verse 25, indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom, I'll see no more. Therefore, I testify, testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Now, here's the key, verse 28, therefore. Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. And then he goes on in verse 29 and all talking about how when he departed, savage wolves would come in. They would not spare the flock. They would draw the disciples after themselves or after themselves. The emphasis would be on the self. Rather than on the cross, I read all that. I see a lot of stuff in that we could really 
go on. But they would try to come, basically take your inheritance. But a shepherd is to be a watchman. A hireling, when the wolf shows up, what does a hireling do? They run and hide. You don't want to be a hireling. A true shepherd watches, warns, protects. Because the wolves are going to come. I wish I could tell you they would never come. But it's, it's not going to happen. A watchman in the Bible is to keep watch, to stay on the lookout for danger or trouble, to observe with continuous attention. Now, in the Bible, there are many forms of watchmen. You want to hear what they do, what they are? Here's what. Number one, you watch for deception. That's obvious. We've been speaking about it. Wolves come dressed in sheep's clothing. If a wolf comes in this room dressed as a wolf, not one of us would follow that wolf. But if they come dressed in sheep's clothing, you're going to be tempted unless you know what God's Word says. So deception. Number two is the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now the leaven of the Pharisees was what? Hypocrisy. The leaven of Herod, worldliness. Probably need to go and do some teaching on that. But he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. False teachers, false prophets, you're to be on the watch Greed, watch for greed. Watch for those who cause divisions among you. How I many of you know that you don't honor those who cause divisions? You mark those that cause divisions among you. I'm just saying that's what the Bible says. You watch over your life and the lives of those that God makes you responsible for. First Timothy 4 says, Take heed to yourselves and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. We also are to watch for His coming. Remember, is it Matthew 25? Watch for the Lord. And then 1 Timothy 4, be watchful in all things. So say, be watchful. We're to be on the watch. We're not to be asleep. Because it's almost like the enemy's trying to put put you to sleep from time to time. It's like there's tranquilizers. Have you noticed? There are people you try to tell them what's happening. Pay attention. Judge the spirits. Test everything. Everything they tell you to do. You should judge it. You should test it. Investigate. See if they know what they're talking about. But many people, it's like there's a fog. A fog. It's almost like a witchcraft. Well, that's not to be in the church. We're to be alert. We're to be awake, discerning. Now, one more thing we need just to remind ourselves. Some people maybe have never seen this. Most of you have. But look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And uh, beginning with verse 1. Oh, that you would bear with me. For indeed, you do bear with me. For I'm jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear. Now this is what Paul feared. I asked the question, I asked the Lord yesterday, because I read something, somebody just happened to send me. And I'm just telling, I'm, can I be honest? I could tell you I had joy. No, there was a little fear. Now I had to take that fear to the Lord. You know, there's a reason why the Lord said fear not. 
Because the temptation will be to fear. So you have to hear the Lord. Fear not. In this hour, I don't know how you're not going to be tempted to fear. There are too many things going on. But you have to deliver your fear because he's not given you a spirit of fear. But there is a, obviously a godly fear. And, and what Paul had, the fear that he had was that they would fall into deception. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And then you've read this before. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, say another Jesus. Did you know there's another Jesus? There are probably many of them out there who claim to be the real thing. Whom we've not preached. Or if you receive a different spirit. Do you think there are any counterfeit Holy Spirits? I guarantee you. There are more than we are probably willing to confess. Which you have not received. Or a different gospel. There's a different gospel. It's being preached in America. I'm going to stay to the course. But, but I want to go there again someday. Some of the, we ought to just in, go into different gospels. All of them are Christless and crossless. If they're crossless, they're Christless. Which you've not accepted. But you put up with it. But anyway, it goes on. And we, and we know that there are many gods... False gods. There's only one true God. But uh, that's what the scripture says. You know, have no other gods before me. Now, how are you going to know the real? To know the real God, to know the real Jesus, to know the real gospel, and to know the real Holy Spirit. You're only going to know by what the word defines him as. Not as what somebody says he is as. Does that make sense? Now what someone says he is may be exactly right. But you must stand on the word of God. I'm telling you, the winds are... If I, if I could describe what I'm... I'm there are all kinds of winds. Just put your antennas up right now. And see in the spirit. There are winds blowing over this nation. Like this is... You don't want to dwell there too long. But maybe get a glance, man. There are things going on in the heavenly realm, in the spiritual realm. There's some things we don't want to see. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I'd rather not see, but Lord, I may need to see a little. So show us a little, but then get us back on course. And keep focused on you. He, you are the author and the finisher of my faith. And all that's happening is not going to derail me because you're a finisher. He's into the finishing business. But we need to know the Holy Spirit. So let's go back to John. And these are just some things that I wanted to plant. Because now we have to get into the real. Because there's plenty of the counterfeit. 61%? That means only 39%. Oh, isn't 61 and 39, is that 100 or am I off? Yeah, okay. Sometimes you think, now did I add that correctly? I think I did. I did pretty good in math. It's because I avoided the harder brands. When it got to geometry, I tried to not take that class. And some of you had no choice. I know we had to do algebra. Do they even teach those things anymore? I don't even know what they teach. 
They teach all kinds of things, but I'm glad they still teach algebra and geometry. So anyway, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He, there's one God, we know that. But there are three ways that he's revealed himself, manifested himself. But here's something. Number one about the Holy Spirit. It's, he is God. Say the Holy Spirit is God. Someone said the Holy Spirit is under the impression that he is God. Well, that's a good impression. He is. He is. But there are ways that he's revealed himself. Now, the God of the Old Testament, the emphasis is on the Father. But Jesus is in the Old Testament. How many of you know that? They followed the rock and the rock was Christ. And there are other scriptures. Was the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? Of course. The Spirit, the wind, the breath. Yes. And then in the New Testament, the focus is on God the Son. But was God the Father there? Of course He was. Our Father which art in heaven. And the Holy Spirit, obviously. It's Pentecost. And then today... There is an emphasis on the Holy Spirit, and there should be. He lives in us, and He's with us, and He's going to be upon us. The Holy Spirit is God. But is the Father here, and Jesus here, and yes, so we need to know, we need to have a proper biblical foundation. You can get off track, and we've spoken about so many times. I think I shared this a few weeks ago, but... Our good, my father, my spiritual father, Jack Taylor, remember what he said? He said, if you have all the word and no spirit, what happens? You dry up. If you have all the spirit and no word, what do you do? You blow up. You just go crazy. I mean, it's probably better to go crazy than be dead, but we would rather be rooted in truth. We want both. And this is a time to be crazy, but I don't know if now is the time to be crazy. The time to be solid in your faith and have joy and, and all the things. But anyway, number two, the Holy Spirit is the helper. Thank God. Now, we could just go home right there. Thank God the Holy Spirit is the helper. Say, He is my helper. He is my helper. I'm telling you, that's in John 14, 16, 14, 26, 15, 26, and 16, verse 7. Over and over. I need help every day. I need help standing firm. I need help knowing, you know, who's speaking of the Spirit and who's of their own Spirit. I need help, and He's going to help us. And this nation needs help. And the answer is the Holy Spirit, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Another Pentecost. Do you know what another Pentecost would do? What would it do? I'm mean, just thinking, this is not in my note. But what would another Pentecost do? It'd probably step up the persecution. But that would be a good thing. Because there would really be something to persecute. But it but there would be a power, there would be an authority, there would be an empowerment. And many of the persecutors' hearts would be changed. They would be former persecutors, and they would be followers. Man, there'd be something major. It's the only answer that I know of. We need help. And then the next thing, he's the comforter. That's what the word helper means, the parakletos. To be a comforter means one called to, to assist 
to ad, an advocate, one who pleads the cause for another, a counselor, one who would compensate for the departure of Christ. Remember where Jesus said, some of you are sad because I'm going away and I'm going to send the other helper, the comforter. And it is to your advantage. How many of you remember that? We read that. What does that say to us? That says that because of the coming of the Holy Spirit, regardless of what it looks like out there, we are always in the advantage. We're always, we always have an advantage. But have you not read the papers? Do you not know what's happening? Have you not seen what they're promoting, even in the churches of America? Well, we still, as the believers, have an advantage. Just say, have an advantage. You have an advantage. Always, always. It is to your advantage. In the year 2021, with all that's happening, I think back at the year 2020. Can I just be honest? Of course I can. I hope I always am. I always want to be. But this has been a rough year. Has anybody else found this to be a little challenging year, 2020? They closed the churches. We bought what they were selling for a short time. Then we realized they overplayed their hand dramatically. And we knew the voice of the liar. And anyway, I'm not going to go there, but we... This is going to work out to our advantage. And then the next thing is, he's a teacher. He will teach you. And that's chapter 14, verse 26. Now he uses men and women. uses the fivefold. He uses our children. How many of you have ever been taught by your children? Your children teach you things. You know, you might want to read the book, The Final Quest, again. How many of you have ever read that book? Most of you. You should read it. If you've never read it, you might want to read it. It's Rick's. When did Rick Joyner write the book? Was it been 15 years, 20 years? The first time I read it was on Dolphin Island. I went out and stayed in Dolphin Island at a place and just read that book. But um, we need to read it again. We're going to read it this, this July. We're going to set apart some time. We read books together sometimes. She'll read and I'll listen and I'll read. And you do listen when I read, don't you? Yeah, you, you, know, you know, she has to keep my attention. No. But you should read that book again. It is an amazing how it fit, fits with the day. And there was one, we were talking the other day, there's a part in the book where these people were religious and they evidently were deceived by deceiving spirits and they thought the anointing that was coming upon them was the, anoint, the true anointing, but it was a false anointing. It was actually, the demons were defecating. You have to read the book. Upon them, they thought it was the real thing. It was not. It was the opposite of the real thing. And they would fight you for it and they were trying to spread that. Anyway, it's an amazing book. You may want to read it. And that book will teach you things, but the Holy Spirit teaches you. And He teaches all things. All things. Because He's the teacher. Say, He's my teacher. And you can read the books. And it's okay. But most of all, read this book. 
and he will teach you all things. What if you don't know all things? Well, that's where we are. I don't know all things, but he will teach you all things. The Spirit and the Word. And then next, he'll bring to your remembrance. And this is all the scripture we read. Bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. But when I think about that, I, I wonder, how will the Holy Spirit bring things to my remembrance, my remembrance if I've not heard what he said to me? Does that make sense? If you've not read the Bible, if you're not in the Word, if you're not, I mean, that's how you know if you're a disciple. You abide. His Word abides in you and you abide in Him, His Word. And so if you've read the Word, how many of you are confident that at the very moment you need, the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance what exactly what you need? He's done that all the time over and over again. That's who he is. Someone said, you pack it in, and he'll pull it out. And that's the truth. And he will do it. And then in chapter 15, verse 26, and boy, do we ever need him to be who he is in this regard today. He is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. Satan is the father of all lies. Have you noticed there's a system today that's built upon lies? One lie after another. I was hesitant whether I would say this, but I'll say it. Because I've not found, I found where many people believe this was said, but I, and they even say who said it. I'm not going to say who said it. But anyway, it, this is what they said. Because I'm watching it come to pass. They said this. This was 40, 50, 60, I don't know, many years ago. They said, when everything the American people believe is a lie, we will know we've accomplished our goals. You know, as I think about that, well, there's people that everything they believe is a lie. And you, if you, listen, you can't even receive the truth Unless you're a follower of Christ, the one who is the way and the truth. You're not even going to be open to hearing of opposite side of the story. So it's a great battle between a system built on lies and a system built on truth. The kingdom built on truth. Let's say the kingdom. Because the kingdom, the system built on lies is going down. Can I just tell you it's going down? But the kingdom built on the truth is increasing in the earth. That's the only kingdom that will increase. But there will be a time when it will appear this system is actually gaining ground while it's actually losing. Anyway, this is an exciting... How many of you know this is an exciting time to live? And so we have a helper. How are we going to make it? We have a helper. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, will lead you into all truth. And that to me is so encouraging. We're not going to call evil good and good evil. We're not going to call lies the truth and truth are the lies. But you're going to have to stand. You remember Jonathan Kahn's word in that last video? We already talked about it. Some of you went and watched it. He said, you must not bow to Baal. You will be tempted. It could be really costly. But you cannot bow to Baal. You cannot bow to Baal or the system that's emerging. 
Because I'm watching people bow that I never thought, I never dreamed they would bow. I remember when we were in Cuba. This was not the last time. I've been five or six times somewhere over the years. The first couple times, well, communism is still there, but at that time it was really there. They told you to be real discreet in passing out tracts. So we were passing out tracts. I think I told you the story. I'll tell it again. But we're in a park, and I'm passing out tracts. They said, be discreet. I was not discreet. I was on the street passing out tracts. I thought that's what they meant. Just go to. So I'm out in the park passing out. And we get to the hotel, and I get a message. They said, some men are in the lobby wanting to talk to you. They got a track from you. They want to see you now. I cleared my throat. I thought, oh, no. Maybe I should have been more discreet. <laughs> you know, I'll never get to see Shirley again. You know, <laughs> this is it. I'm coming to join you. You know, I didn't know. I just, all these thoughts. I go down, these two men, they say, did you give us, you were the man that gave us this track. I said, yes. They said, we want you to tell us about the man that this track talks about. Would you tell us about him? I told them, we prayed, both of them came to Jesus in the hotel lobby. And God got all the glory and the honor. But I remember, they told us, they said, the most feared scripture in Cuba today is John 14, or no, John 8, 32. How many of you know John 8, 32? For you shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. I'm telling you, that's why the truth is feared today. That's why they're doing all they can to cancel and censor the truth. But they're not going to censor it completely. Because Jesus is the way. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And we're going to abide in His truth. And as long as we're on this earth, we're going to proclaim the truth. Because it's the only thing that's going to set the captives free is the truth. And the truth is not just all the facts we know. It's a person. And then the next thing, in verse 26, the Holy Spirit will testify of me. He confirmed. The word testify means confirm, bear witness, give evidence. You remember the song, Josh Baldwin. How many of you ever heard of Josh Baldwin? He's a popular singer. Do you know he was our first worship leader? Back in the days we went... These guys remember in the warehouse, Josh Baldwin, and now he's hit the big time. But he wrote a song called, I See the Evidence, the Evidence of His Goodness. And the Holy Spirit has come to give us evidence, not in himself, but evidence in the Lord Jesus. That Jesus is exactly who he says he is. He did not come to attest to himself, though we do not ignore him. But he came to bear witness with the person of Jesus. Then the next thing is he came to convict of sin, right? When the Holy Spirit is sent, he will come to convict us the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. All three things. So we'll hit three really quick. Number one is convict the world. Rebuke, reprove, refute, expose, lay bare, experience, conviction. Paul preached on the day of Pentecost. And what happened? They were cut to the heart. Because of the Word of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Now, what were they being convicted of? Do you remember? 
John, it said, they did not believe in me. They didn't believe in Jesus. So the Holy Spirit has come to convict the world that they do not believe in him because he's the one they're really looking for. Everybody with me? He's the, he is the Savior. He did die. He did rise from the dead. And then he came to convict of righteousness. What's that all about? That Jesus, remember, it explains it in John. He died. He went to the right hand of the Father, right? And you see me no more. And so it's that he is the one that is exalted at the right hand of the Father. He's the Lord of all. He's, the Holy Spirit has come to convince the world that Jesus is Lord. How many of you know there's coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord? Well, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. He's come to convince them now. It's better to bow now. That's why we must, while we can, while it's day, tell people about the one that they should bow to. Because if they don't bow to him, they're going to bow to Baal. You're going to bow to one or the other. How many of you know that? If Baal is Baal, then follow him. But if God is God, follow him. And that's what Jesus said. He said, if you're not with me, you're against me. And then convict of judgment. Now, there are many judgments, right? Everybody knows that, right? There are many judgments in the Bible. We won't go there this morning. Shirley and I were speaking last night of those that have manipulated and lied. And there's a whole system I just I told Shirley, I said, you know, there's going to come a day they're going to be judged for their lies. They're going to be judged. I can't do it. They shut me out. They turn me off. They deplatform. But they're going to stand before the judge of all creation. They're going to be judged. Some things won't be judged before it's time. And there will be a time. There will be a day of judgment. But this judgment's already been taking place. And that's why you have, you have to really focus. Because you could just read and you could go off in one of those other judgments. That's not what this is about. The ruler of this world has been judged. So we as the church, how do we operate in this? Well, that's where we carry out the written judgments. That's where we do what... Judith did. We go to New York. We go wherever. And we declare the word of the Lord. And that is executing the judgments that are written. This honor have all ye his saints. Does that make sense? And that's how the kingdom of God is advanced. And anyway, that's what we have to do. And then he will guide you into all truth. There's counterfeit. And then he will, he will not speak on his own. Verse 13. But he will... Speak what he hears. Now think about this. Jesus only said and did what he heard and what he saw his father doing, correct? Well, according to this scripture, the Holy Spirit doesn't act on his own. He only speaks what he hears. Well, do we have any, anything that he said? Well, we have a whole book of it. That's why Jesus said, you go to all nations, you teach them all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you, always. Well, he's with the, obviously, he's with the Holy Spirit. He is. There's one, but it's the way he's revealed himself. And the Holy Spirit doesn't come up with his own doctrine. He emphasizes the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? 
He only speaks what he hears. And it's what he said. Now, some of you are wondering, am I going to need this? Can I tell you, you're going to need this. There are doctrines of demons flying out there every which way. And you're going to need to know the truth. And it's by the truth that you'll stand. And by the truth, not only will the truth set you free, the truth keeps you free. Say the truth keeps you free, keeps me free, you free. And then he will tell you things to come. There, pers- personally, the Holy Spirit tells us things to come. How many of you have ever been taught or told something to come by the Holy Spirit and it came to pass exactly how as he told you? Most all of us. Many, if you don't know, it's almost like a, what do you call it? A premission or you know... Yes, you know, premonition, you, it's like, wow, I've been here before. No, you probably, he probably told you something that was going to happen. Now you're walking through what he told you. But anyway, it's a big world out there. The Holy Spirit is able to tell you. And then corporately, he speaks corporately. He, you know, he'll tell you things to come in regard to the world. He's telling us a lot of things to come right now in regard to the world. You can just read Matthew 24 and get a whole bunch of things that are coming right now on the earth. And now, he won't tell you everything, but it says he will tell you things. There's some things you don't need to know. How many of you know that? There's some things I don't need to know. So don't tell me. No. You know, God will give us liberty and freedom to tell one another at the right time. But there's some things we just won't know. Because if we know it, we prematurely, especially, we probably would mess it up. There's some th- that's why he said, there's some things you cannot bear. Remember Jesus said that. Some things you cannot bear. So we only want to know what he wants us to know when he wants us to know it. But he will do exactly what he said he would do. He will tell you things to come. Now, here's, here's why he would tell us things to come. Look, we're going to close up real quick, but look in chapter 16 and verse 2, verse 4, verse 2 of chapter, John chapter 16. Here's why he tells you things to come. But these things I've told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. So you don't want to forget that he told you, so when the time comes, you won't be caught off guard. How many of you don't like surprises? Well... The Holy Spirit is not wanting you to be shocked. He's wanting you to be surprised by what He does. But He doesn't want you to. And look in verse, um, verse 1, 16. These things I've spoken to you that you should not be made to what? Be made to stumble. He doesn't want you to stumble. So He tells you things to come. He tells you things to come to keep you on course and to build your confidence. And then the next thing in verse 14, he will glorify me. Say he will glorify Jesus. Now this is key. We have to understand. Verse 14, he, the Holy Spirit, who has come, we've been speaking about. He won't speak on his own authority. Whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you things to come. In verse 14, he will glorify me. Who's me? Jesus. Not me. He won't glorify me. He glorifies Jesus, Him, and Him through me. He gets glory when He lives through me, when I allow that. For He will 
take of what is mine and declare it to you. And that's why we must remember all things are going to be summed up in Jesus. He must increase and we must what? Decrease. There's a whole teaching out there that's trying to convince many to, that they are to increase. No, he is to increase. It's not about me. It never was about me, not about you. I'm sorry. Even persecution is not about you. You know what persecution is ultimately about? The word of God that is in you. They're persecuted for the word of God's sake. So you may say, well, why should I read the word? I could avoid a whole lot of things. Yeah, you could miss a whole lot of things too. You don't want to miss. It's worth whatever the cost. It's worth dying to yourself and following him. How many of you found that to be true? It's worth it. It's worth it. Whatever it costs me. Because if you lose your life, you're going to gain it. And then the last, well, there are two more things. Take of what is mine and declare it to you. He will take of what of the Lord Jesus, the things of Jesus, and declare them to you and in you and through you. He will declare it. And then the last thing is over in Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2. So let's go there to Acts, and then we're going to pray. You guys with me, did that make sense? The only way I know to counter the counterfeit is to know the real. And so the only, thing, only way I know to know the real is by looking into his word. It's the, the word, the spirit, grace and truth. It's his word. So anyway, Acts chapter 1, verse 7, because there's some things we want to know. But there's always going to be a mystery. And this is, explains that in verse 7. It is not for you to know times or seasons. Now we know there are other places. He says you, don't, you need to be discerning of the times. So there's a right, there's a context in all the scripture of this. But there's some things we don't need to know, which the Father has put in his own authority. There's some things, just leave it up to God the Father, and you're going to find that he knew exactly what he was doing. But you shall receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be witnesses. You don't have to think about it. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be what? Witnesses. My Witnesses. You look it up, it's actually my witnesses of Jesus. That's who we are. His witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the end of the earth. And then over in uh, chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one place and in one accord. We've looked at that before. It's not that we all have to be in agreement on every single side issue. It's we're all together in one place. You're in one place, gathered together. And then suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then you read the rest and how they wondered about how they heard the gospel in their own language. And then we see in the last days, he's going to pour out his spirit on sons and daughters men and women, old men, young men, they will prophesy there'll be wonders in the heaven. And then whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be what? Shall be saved. Isn't it amazing how it ends up 
with that statement, which tells me the day of Pentecost is ultimately about the world being saved and brought to knowing Him. And the gifts of the Spirit, they were never for us to enjoy. They were for us to use that He, His kingdom, would be advanced in the lives of people. Isn't that amazing? Well, thank God. Before I get in any more trouble. Because I know trouble's coming. But we're made for this. When Josh was born, our son... They called me. I was substitute teaching in West Virginia. Shirley, where were you? <laughs> no, obviously. You, how, did, how did you even get there? I have to think about that again. Why was I in school? Oh, because you had to, it was an emergency. And they brought you. And they called me. And we didn't have cell phones in those days. They called me to go to the office. They said, your son is in trouble. My son, he's not even born. Yes, he's in trouble. You need to make a decision. You need to get to the hospital anyway. It was really, he was born in trouble. But he's a good boy now, isn't he? He wasn't always in trouble. It just was, but I'm telling you, trouble's coming. So be it. Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have trouble. Nevertheless, be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. And the overcomer lives in you. So, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God. Thank you that you've chosen us to live at such a time when there are winds of doctrine, doctrines of demons, contrary winds. All these things are coming to pass. Well, we thank you that the spirit of truth is with us, in us, upon us, will lead us, will teach us, will guide us, comfort us, help us, console us when needed. But I thank you, God, that whatever happens in life, and I ask God that you drill this in, if, if they forget everything I said, I pray that they'll be convinced this morning that regardless of what is happening out there, when they all walk out the doors this morning, regardless of what's happening, All these things will work out to their advantage. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I go, I will sin. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit. For his presence among us. And Lord, we've known, most of us in this room, we've known about the Holy Spirit. And we've known the Holy Spirit. We've an amazing promise. Thank you. But Lord, we also know and believe that there's a greater fulfillment. And God, every Pentecost, it seems like I think about this. But Lord, we are desperate in this hour for another Pentecost in America. If ever the church in America needed We ask you now, Lord. You said we have not because we ask not. Which tells me we have when we ask. And in the fullness of time when they were gathered together. And Lord, I ask you right now. God, the church in Oregon is going to need 
this Pentecost. The church in California is going to need. The church in Michigan. Church in Mississippi, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, God, South Carolina, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, New York, God, we're going to need. We're going to need all and all over this nation. And most of us, you've given us a heart for our nation, and we thank you for doing that. Because God, you are about nations. So go, therefore. And the nations are on your heart. Individuals are on your heart and also nations. And Lord, we just pray, send the Holy Spirit again. As you did upon us, send the Holy Spirit to our nation, the church. And we thank you for it, God. And just simply by faith, we receive. And we ask you, God... Lord, I thank you that the wind of the Holy Spirit is going to be far greater than all these opposing, contrary, demonic winds. The wind of heaven is greater, far greater. And this is what we believe for. And God, I ask you to encourage everyone in this room and everyone watching. Build them up, Lord. Let them be built up in their most holy faith. Strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Strengthened with all strength. Growing in the knowledge of the Lord. The revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you, God, that you're doing that among all of us. I thank you for positioning us for the greatest time in all of history. Regardless of what it looks like. It's the greatest. For our God is great. And I just bless the people. Lord, I pray right now. Lord, those that are sick, that they'll be healed. Delivered. In the name of Jesus. God, I thank you that we're entering a time where people will just walk in the doors and be healed. Unexplainable. Undefinable. But unmistakably, it will be God. And I thank you for it. And Lord, there are people that are they're visiting. They, they won't come back. They're here today. I ask you to deposit in them, release in them the anointing, the fire that they need to take back with them. Wherever they go, Lord, I thank you. This fire is transferable. Thank you, Lord. It's spreading. And it may look like it's only small, but I thank you there's a raging fire burning in the hearts of your people. I thank you for it. Now we just always want to pray because there are people watching right now. And if you don't know Jesus, this is the day of salvation. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. With the heart, you believe that God raised his son from the dead and with the mouth you confess him and if you turn from your sin if you confess your sin he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness and there may be someone in this room and I just want to pray a prayer and I know it's not about just simply our prayer 
or praying a prayer. It's the conviction and the drawing of the Holy Spirit. It's the convincing. God's convincing. You remember, somebody said they watched Keith Davis this weekend. I remember Paul Keith. Well, I know him as Keith, but Paul Keith. But years ago, he went into the church where they had the Azusa Street, and he walked in, and he said he saw a vision. He went up toward the altar. He saw a vision of a cloud rolling in the back of the church. And I know Paul Keith, and he's a man of integrity, been through hurt, fire. That makes him, to me, when you've gone through things, that's what qualifies you to be used of God. You go through things and you come out. But he said he saw this fog and he asked the Lord, what is that? He said, that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He said, it's something much of the church in your nation has never known. But they're going to know it again. And that's what we pray. For the conviction, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He has come to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. If the ruler of this world is judged. So we want to pray with you. As uh, Maybe there's someone in this room. Let's pray, okay? It's a reconfirmation of our faith. Just say, dear God, I need you. And I believe in Jesus that he is the son of God. That he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross and he rose from the dead. I confess my sin before you. I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me. I thank you for the power of the blood of Jesus that cleanses me from all unrighteousness. By faith I turn from this world and I turn to you. And I give you my heart. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the fire of heaven. And from this moment on, use me for your glory. Here am I. Send me. And I thank you, Jesus, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In Jesus' name. They and their household. And we pray for our households. How many of you have household members that are still lost? Lord, we pray for our households. Sons, daughters, family. We pray for salvation, God. We thank you for your promise. Not only you, but your household. Household salvation. And we pray for that, Lord, for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And for salvation and deliverance from every evil. Thank you, Lord, and we honor you and give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord.